Welcome to Feathers in My Hair, an Emotionally Broken Psycho's Patreon exclusive. Join me for the ultimate team mom deep dive. This is more than just a recap show. I'll scour the internet to bring you all the best drama that MTV didn't air. From police reports to deleted tweets, I've got the details on all the fights, breakups, and arrests of our favorite MTV train wrecks. If you think the moms bring the drama on TV, just wait until you hear what really happened. I'm your host, Liz Bentley. Hello. Hi, guys. Long time no talk. It is pouring rain outside. I hope you can't hear that in the background. You couldn't during my test, but... I don't know, as I've learned in the last few weeks, I cannot control Mother Nature. (laughs) Thanks for being so understanding. I just wanted to say thank you so much to everybody who reached out. It was so nice. I got so many messages and texts and snaps just concerned about me, and I really appreciated it. Luckily, Hurricane Irma really didn't fuck things up as much as she could have. I got really, really, really lucky. We got so lucky. I'm back at work. My apartment's okay. My car is okay. Power was out for a while, but I was in Pennsylvania, so it didn't even matter. I'm just glad to be back. It's been a crazy two weeks. Four fucking episodes have aired (laughs) since I was last on, because fuck you, MTV. That's what you're going to do to me. It's very annoying. I hate when they double, like, play episodes in one week. Ugh, it drives me nuts. But yeah, so lots of things happened. Janelle's getting married. By the time you hear this, she may or may not be married. There was big drama. Supposedly she called off the wedding the night before, but she's getting married, guys. Like, just trust me on this. Janelle's getting married. By the time you hear this, it will be Janelle Eason. I fucking hate the last name Eason, by the way. I just really, I just really hate it. I don't, I don't like it. There should be a T in there. It should be Easton. What else happened in Janelle world? Oh, you know, we just found out that Janelle's baby, Ensley, tested positive for weed at birth. Both her and Dave tested positive for weed. I'm laughing, but, like, it's not funny. Like, obviously, a baby testing positive for any drugs is not good. But, you know, we all know Janelle smokes weed, and we all know Janelle smokes weed throughout her pregnancies. CPS was involved although we will not be seeing that in any way, shape, or form this season on Teen Mom, which is annoying, and I don't really understand why MTV is not showing it. I think it's pretty fucked up, actually, that MTV isn't showing it. Yeah, we will not be seeing it, and Baby Ensley is still in the care of Janelle because, okay, so (laughs) this is so stupid. The Ashley is reporting that Janelle didn't get in trouble because she flew to California and got a medical marijuana card, so, like, she couldn't get in trouble, which makes zero sense. North Carolina doesn't give a fuck. She, they don't give a fuck about California medical marijuana cards. I think what most likely happened is baby tested positive at birth, Janelle and David tested positive, then CPS got involved, and they just started passing drug tests. And let's be real, CPS probably isn't going to remove kids for weed. It takes a lot of resources to remove children. If you if they give if you fail a drug test for weed, usually what happens is CPS will then say, "Okay, you need to be passing drug tests by this state." And if you start passing drug tests, they close the case. What else are they going to do? So, I don't think the California medical marijuana license played into it at all. I think it's much 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 more likely that she just started passing drug tests. I mean, how she passed those drug tests, the world may never know, but our dear dear friend Janelle passed her drug tests. So how did we find this all out, you ask? 
because this was a while ago. Oh, well, we found it out because Doris, who is the mother of Nathan, a.k.a. grandmother of baby Kaiser, uh, filed for an emergency custody hearing because she claims that Kaiser's being severely abused by Janelle and David and that he needs to be removed from their home and put into the care of her home. Whew, yikes. So... This is honestly so, you know, the Ensley stuff is like, whatever. It's just weed. We know Janelle smokes weed. It's like not a big deal. But the Kaiser stuff is like very, very, very upsetting. Now, they didn't end up having an emergency hearing because supposedly Janelle has texts from Doris that made it look spiteful uh, that she was like only filing to get back at Janelle. But what we are hearing, what we do know is that they're, Doris is, not filing for emergency custody, but, like, for temporary custody, just at, like, the normal speed, whatever that is. So, Doris is alleging, and, of course, all of these papers are leaked online to radar. I don't really understand why there's not a gag order in place. It's actually really upsetting to me that there's not a gag order in place. You know, these documents should be sealed, because this is about a child, a real-life child, and just the speculation online is so, so, so gross, and people are like, I don't know. People are almost rooting for Janelle and David to have abused Kaiser so that they'll lose him and he'll go to Doris as like a way of punishing Janelle, which is, it's just upsetting to me. I would rather it come out that like Doris is fucking crazy and Kaiser was not abused at all and he stays living with Janelle and David. But uh, Doris is claiming that David punched Kaiser in the face that he has severe, like, allergies and respiratory issues and that Janelle is refusing to give him his nebulizer, you know, his breathing medication. She claims that the child is always covered in bruises, that he's always sick. It's just, ugh, guys, it's so upsetting. Apparently, the texts show that there are definitely bruises on Kaiser, but what's up for debate is if Janelle's the one that's abusing him or if it's Nathan and his mom that's abusing him. Because remember, Nathan only has supervised visits with his mom being the supervisor. <sighs> Speaking of Nathan, he and his girlfriend are, you know, the crazy girl that I'm fucking obsessed with, who, by the way, she made her Twitter public, so you guys should all go find it and follow her before she locks it again. They pretended like they got engaged, but apparently didn't actually get engaged. I don't know. Nate has, like, moved to Florida. He's online laughing about this, calling David and Janelle scumbags, leaking text messages to show he's right but it's like david your or excuse me nathan your mommy is the one that's filing for custody because you're so much of a fuck up that you can't even get your child out of a supposedly extremely abusive situation everybody involved here is a shithead what do i think will happen when they go to court honestly i don't think much i think custody will say exactly the same Unless Doris has substantial proof that Kaiser is being abused and that it's by Janelle and David, personally, I'm not so sure that anything will happen. The standards of removing a child from his parents is very, very high, or the burden of proof is very high, and Doris will have to prove significant abuse, I believe, in order for anything to change, and I just, I'm not sure if that will happen. What do I think should happen? I don't know. I guess he should go with Doris. But Doris also raised Nate. I'm nervous that if Doris has him, that Nate will have access to him unsupervised. Oh, God. 
It's it's all so awful and so dark. It just upsets me. It's like, it's depressing. Honestly, it's like not fun for me. For a while, I admit, like when this stuff would happen, it was like fun and exciting for me. But I think I'm just in a place in my life where it's just, I get really darked out. And the child abuse stuff is just like a bridge too far for me. Too far. I honestly think it was incredibly rude that I was not invited to Janelle's wedding on the land. Incredibly rude. If anybody should be at that wedding, it should be me. Janelle should be more generous with my love of her. You know, she should appreciate me more. (laughs) I should be there today. It's pouring rain in Florida right now. What if it's raining in North Carolina? I hope not. Or we'll have to sing Alanis Morissette's Isn't It Ironic? What if someone walked down the aisle to that? That would be great. So yeah, things are happening in the Team Mom world for Janelle, just as they always do. I We just all need to pray. We really, Honestly, we just all need to pray for Ensley and Kaiser and Jace and Marissa and Caden, David's son, that he sees, he doesn't see, they don't talk about. I don't know. I personally am of the belief that David has supervised visits with Caden, but they don't talk about it because they're not allowed to talk about it and they don't want to risk anything. Although, when has that ever stopped Janelle from doing anything? The risk of getting in trouble. Never. It never has. Okay, what's going on, guys? Should we go back? Let's go to the episodes. I'm going to recap both episodes that came on this week. I mean, I can't just do one. They kind of, like, matched up with each other. I took two weeks off, so you guys deserve it, right? (laughs) I'm going to start with Brianna, who I don't know, guys. Brianna and Javi were hanging out a lot this week in, like, Snapchat chatting each other. Javi was holding the baby. I'm just going to say, I think Javi and Brianna actually should date because they would be a really good couple. And here's why. Brianna doesn't have, like, a ton of friends, right, that we've seen. She is not the type of person that has a ton of friends. She's extremely close with her family. She probably has, you know, like, 10 people in her life are at the core of her unit. And she's kind of a homebody. She doesn't seem to party a lot, although, like, whatever, how she talks to her Twitter. I can't get into Twitter Brianna. I can't. Twitter Brianna cannot exist for me. She's a fake person. I can only go by what we see on the show. I think Brianna is kind of a homebody, kind of a dork, kind of a, not a dork. You know what I mean by that, right? Kind of nerdy, I guess. She's a homebody. I think that that's what Javi likes. So the biggest one of the biggest problems that I think happened in Kale and Javi's relationship is that they had different ideas of what a marriage looked like. I think Kale, as I'll talk about because I wrote it about, I wrote about it in my notes, Kale's the type of person who always wants to have a million people around her. She's like super close with all her friends, always wants her friends involved, and Javi just wants his family around. Now, Kale doesn't have a family, so that's not fair. She's 25. She's in the process of building her chosen family. Javi is the type of person that wants his sister around, his mother around, but not like a million friends coming in and out of the house. Once you're married, you're married. You don't go out that much. It's about your family. And I think that's how Brianna is. And obviously that's not how Kale is. But Javi and Kale were too young and immature to figure that out before they got married. So that's why I think Brianna would be good for Javi. Now, why do I think Javi would be good for Brianna? Because Javi is such a captain save a hoe. Does Javi love to save a like a woman in distress or fucking what he loves it he feels great about it javi probably jerks off at the thought (laughs) of (laughs) 
like marrying Brianna and saving her children from their deadbeat dads and like adopting her two children and it'd be like Hem and Lincoln and Isaac too, why not? And Stella and Nova as like one big happy family where he gets to play dad to all these kids. I think he would love that. I think he would love it. And I also think he does like girls a little bit crazy, which Brianna is just crazy enough and they could scream and fight at each other, but in the end, Brianna's not going anywhere. Also, I don't think Javi's a big cheater, which I think is like the main issue for Brianna. And I think Brianna has a big issue with finding men who show up. And I will say, even though I think you guys know, I'm like not a huge Javi fan. I, I don't really like, I don't hate Javi. I think he was a terrible husband for Kale. I think Kale is a terrible wife for him. I think he's a fucking thirsty fame whore. I think he's like a nerd and a loser. <laughs> but I don't think he's an inherently bad person. I think he's controlling. I think Brianna probably would like controlling. I think that Javi and Brianna, they're the type of crazy that would complement one another well. I really do. I think they're just thirsty enough for each other. I think they're just broken enough to, like, kind of complete each other. You know, they're both Latino. They have, they seem to have similar, although Brianna's Puerto Rican and Javi's Guatemalan, so it's not the same cultures, of course, but they seem to have pretty similar cultural values, as in they're very, very close with their families. They live with their families. It, their mothers are very important. I just think that they would, like, blend well together. I mean, I think they would scream and fight at each other, but at the end of the day, they would always be together. And I also think that one of Brianna's biggest issues is that her the men in her life do not show up. And I think for all the shittiness that Javi has, that man shows up. You know, he showed up and he took care of Isaac. He takes care of Lincoln. You know, he has 50-50 custody. He's with those kids all the time. He loves his kids. He takes care of his parents. They live with him. And I'm assuming he probably financially supports them with his team mom money and the MTV stuff. So I just think that Javi would show up for Brianna and be the first guy probably ever to show up for her. Now, I know this is all fanfic. Brianna and Javi aren't dating. They were just like fucking playing to the crowd. But I want them to. <laughs> I'm officially on record that I'm pro Brianna and Javi. And so let's get into the episode. Uh, Brianna, at the start of the first episode, Brianna's going to see Lewis. And like, did you guys notice the music that was playing? It was Aubrey and the Chicken levels. Somebody was about to get murdered. And they talk about the fight at the baby shower. Which... <sighs> I just don't care that much. I don't really care about Brianna and Lewis fighting because they're not together and they're not going to be together. And Brianna made that very clear the minute she found out that Lewis cheated on her, that she was not interested in a relationship with him. So like, why would I care to watch them fight? You know what I mean? Like, they're not together. Who gives a shit? I guess. I only want to see them fight about the baby. I think I'm just bored of Brianna and Lewis because I know nothing's going to happen. I want to see Brianna get into some drama with a new guy. <laughs> Lewis tells us he's going to go to driving school to be a truck driver, but that driving school is in Jacksonville, which is, I mean, if they're in Orlando, I think Jacksonville is like three hours away. I don't know for sure, but Jacksonville is like in the top right hand corner of the state and I think oh my god I'm sounding like an idiot yeah because Jacksonville is north of me on the east coast and Orlando is in the middle of the state it's far away it's a significant distance he doesn't have a nine to five job right now which um surprise <laughs> but also 
Once again, why are you keeping a baby with a guy that doesn't have a fucking job, Brianna? What did you expect? He's going to miss the birth, and then he's going to have to go on 10 months of on-the-road training. Lewis doesn't really struck me, strike me as a truck driver. I don't know. I don't know what he's thinking. Brianna's, like, so stressed that she's crying. <sighs> I get it. She's nine months pregnant. She's, like, three weeks away from having a baby. She's stressed. We get a voiceover that Nova's saying... That saying Nova's graduating from preschool. I thought she was already in kindergarten. I guess not. We get a scene of the whole fam at the pool. And Brianna's aunt is there. And her name is T.S. Which I feel like is weird initials to nickname. Something about the T and the S like is hard for me with my speech impediment, I guess, to say. <laughs> Devon has been invited to the preschool graduation but has not responded to anybody about it so they don't know if he's coming or not and of course this is all being discussed in front of nova because you know why would they ever have a discussion about her father if she was not in the room <laughs> oh they talk about lewis's job and i'm actually pretty surprised they're they're supportive of him they think it's a good opportunity and that being a truck driver is a good idea for him but they are frustrated that he waited you know until three weeks before the baby's supposed to be due to like make a decision and that if he had started six months ago he would already be significantly into his training which is a legit criticism they talk about <laughs> the graduation and nova starts crying because she doesn't want her dad to be there Oh my god. That was so weird and dark and sad. It, I mean, it was legitimately upsetting for me to watch Nova cry that she did not want her dad to be there. But I think she just knows, like, tensions are high. And when her dad is there, like, the chance of there being a fight is high. She said it was because too many people would be there. But I just think, I can't imagine how it feels because she's old enough now to understand that they're talking about her dad and what a loser he is. And I just can't imagine how it feels to know that your whole family is, like, going to be mad if he shows up or mad if he doesn't show up. And I can understand her just not wanting him to be there to stop the drama. But Devon does show up. It's Nova's graduation. And <laughs> she's sobbing the whole time walking down the little aisle and during the graduation ceremony it was actually really cute <laughs> but then afterwards she's smiling and happy and really cute and that's all for the first episode for Brianna not really much happened actually I don't really have much for the second episode for Brianna either but we find out Brianna's going on maternity leave soon because remember she still works a job and she needs to file for child support for Nova. And I can't believe she hasn't done this yet. They haven't even established paternity because Devon's not on the birth certificate. I mean, that's crazy. I, I don't know. That shows what a piece of shit Devon is that he hasn't like fucking literally at this point, Brianna could take that baby and move to Europe and nobody could stop her. Devon is a, he's a loser. I think he's cute, but he's a loser. <laughs> Uh, and she also says she might have to put Lewis on child support too. And it's like, yeah, go file fucking child support and formal visitation for both your kids. That's a good idea. I don't know. It just, I don't, I don't understand Brianna. I just don't understand her at all. 
And apparently Nova goes to private school, which is crazy. Who's paying for her her private school? Uh, we see Brianna go to a doctor's appointment, and Brianna's with her friend, and Lewis is there, and her Brianna's friend like gives Lewis a lecture on what Brianna wants and what Brianna wants Lewis to do, which is like show up, be present, basically all the things that I said Javi would be good at doing for her. I just don't understand why Brianna's friend is getting involved like that, but you know, I guess somebody has to tell him, although I think everybody's been telling him. I don't think it's anything new. The baby's no longer breech, which is great. Happy to hear it so that they won't have to schedule a C-section. Oh, and Lewis says that he puts a lot of pressure on his life and himself, but nobody can tell. And it's like, babe, if nobody can tell, then like you're probably not doing it. <laughs> oh, Lewis. Brianna says that Lewis irks her nerves, which I thought was funny. And then she starts talking about how it's another Devon. She's like, another fucking Devon. What's wrong with these men? And it's like, what's wrong with these men, Brianna, is that you pick fucking losers. I'm just so bored of watching Brianna pretend to be shocked that Lewis is a fucking loser. Once again, ladies, this is why you don't go through with having a baby with the guy that you met in a nightclub. And we're fucking like three times before you got pregnant. Don't have the baby with him. <laughs> I don't, I like Brianna's segments when they revolve around her and her family. I don't care for them when it's like drama with Lewis because it's just, yeah, no shit. Lewis is a loser, but I do like to see Brittany and Roxanne flipping out about shit. By the way, Brittany on Snapchat last night was like at some K-pop or J-pop. I didn't know which which country it was from because I didn't know the band event. I'm assuming like at Disney World and or somewhere in Orlando and was like losing her shit. It was so funny. She was there totally in earnest and like screaming and loved it. And I think even got autographs. <laughs> I just really like to know that she's into... J- I'm going to assume it's J-pop. I just like... I'm really excited that she's into Japanese pop music. <laughs> that Britney's full supply surprises, and I love it. All right, who should we do next? You know what? I think I'm going to go to Leah next. Allie's going to have an aide next year. Yay! That's great. I'm so glad to hear it. And in the words, in the words of Leah, y'all ready for this? I'm about to flip. Leah says she hasn't been on a date since her divorce with Jeremy. Oh, really, Leah? You haven't been on a date since your divorce with Jeremy? You fucking lying biatch. Okay, hello, what about TR Deuce? This bitch had another man living with her for like a fucking year after Jeremy. He was never on the show. He was a personal trainer. It was right when she got back from rehab. He moved right into her home with his two children. His ex-girlfriend, baby mom, gave plenty of interviews about it. There's photographic proof. Her neighbors even comment on it. But I'm supposed to believe that they never went on a date. This is what drives me fucking nuts about Leah. (sighs) I need to take a breath, guys. I'm getting heated. But this is really what angers me is like, Leah... 
you're a fucking liar. You're not truthful about anything in your life and you all fall for it. And it drives me nuts. Everyone's like, Leah's doing so great. Oh, uh, do you know how much fucking shit I've read about like how amazing it is that Leah hasn't been in another relationship since Jeremy, which one is factually incorrect because she was with TR. And two, even still, Leah has three little kids. Like, am I supposed to be impressed that after her literal second marriage fell apart that she's some fucking queen for staying single for two years like let's theorize that her and jeremy but the tr shit never happened okay leah was divorced twice by the age of 23 and then didn't get remarried in the next two years and i'm supposed to be impressed by that like i've been single for three years after my terrible six-year relationship ended because i was like wow, I really need to work on myself and I never want to be in a shitty relationship again. So I'm going to hold off and make sure that if I date again, it's with somebody that's worth it. And I mean, obviously not everybody, I'm not saying you have to stay single for years and years to, in order to have made any progress, but I'm sorry. Like it's not a fucking accomplishment that Leah hasn't been remarried in two years, considering it would be her third marriage. <laughs> And she was living with TR forever. Her kids were living with him. It's just... it. It's just infuriating to me. Because I feel like Leah is getting so much undeserved credit. <laughs> because she fucking put in her hair extension and extensions and does her makeup. People are acting like she has made a complete 180. Life is so amazing for her. She's a queen. She's like the queen of being single. And it's like... She cheated on both her husbands. Who knows if she's still fucking Robbie? I mean, I would be shocked if she's not still fucking Robbie. It's just, you know, Robbie, in case you guys don't know, Robbie is the guy that she she was her first boyfriend and the guy that she cheated on both Jeremy and Corey with. It, it's just crazy. It's just infuriating. It's just infuriating. Leah decides that she's going to go on Bumble. And they say Bumble a lot of times in this episode. So I'm assuming it's a paid... It has to be a paid sponsorship, right? Or else they wouldn't be using the name of it over and over again. I think that was a paid ad, but she's swiping and Gracie is swiping along with her. <laughs> Which, you know, I thought was funny. And then Addie said she should get a Bumble boyfriend. <laughs> oh, God. We go out to Leah's porch and she has a live, love, laugh. Which, by the way, isn't it live, laugh, love? But okay. Table on her porch, which, mm, you know, you do you, Leah. She says she's not looking for a relationship or to fulfill anything, which is, you know, that's good. That's great, Leah. We see Leah's producer, which remember I like talked about we, that we don't really see Leah's producers and now we're seeing them a little more. And she says she's going on a date and that they met on Bumble. <laughs> the guy's name is Josh. Once again, she says she hasn't been on a date since she and Jeremy divorced. Our girl Oreo comes over and encourages Leah while Leah's getting ready she should enjoy herself and she should have fun. And Addie is just there being cute. I've been becoming more endeared to Addie. You know, I don't, I've like never thought she was a super cute kid. <laughs> That's very rude of me. I like her. She's fun. She has a fun personality. We see her go on her date. By the way, like, has Leah always had that red car? I feel like that's, an, I thought she had a black SUV. How many cars does Leah have? I'm thinking no real first dates happen on camera. What do you, I want to know what you guys think about this. So Leah, in my opinion, is doing a paid ad for Bumble. <laughs> do you think this guy got paid to appear on MTV? Do you think she was like, hey, 
should we go on a date? But just so you know, like, I'm on this show called Teen Mom, and MTV will be filming it. So, like, you're going to have to sign a release and get mic'd up and meet with production, like, before I even walk in. I I just feel like any real online date is not real if it's on TV. Do you guys get what I'm saying? I, I, something just isn't right in the water there. Whenever we see it, you know, it happened on Vanderpump Rules too. Like Stassi went on a date on Plenty of Fish, even though she's like obviously on Raya, the celebrity dating app, which I would assume the teen moms could get on, except probably not in West Virginia. I don't really know how Raya works because I'm not a celebrity and I also kind of hate dating apps. I would assume there aren't many prospects in West Virginia. So we watch them have an awkward first date, which... Oh, by the way, did you notice they were ordering on tablets? Which I hate. I don't want a menu on a tablet. Like, bring me a fucking printed menu. Come on. This is insane. I also feel like that'd be very annoying as a server, because you know they would be dead all the time. The fucking screen would crack. Old people wouldn't know how to use it. I Awful. So awful. I was surprised that this guy ordered his steak medium. I was expecting him to order it well done. <laughs> Medium's still too cooked for me. I'm a rare to medium rare girl, but you know, good for you, Joshy. I'm already calling him Joshy. I hate watching first dates on reality TV. I fucking hate it. I was a server for many years. I had to experience it in real life. I just don't like to watch it on TV. It's not enjoyable to me. It's not funny. I don't like watching people be awkward. I Have I ever talked about this? That I get like extreme secondhand embarrassment when watching TV. I actually have to change the channel. Like if something too bad is happening. I get it in real life too. It's funny because I don't really get embarrassed for myself that often. I don't like feel a lot of embarrassment when it comes to myself but like if other people are acting up I like want to die and I've been feeling this for as long as I can remember I have a really clear memory of an episode of the Rugrats like flipping me out as a child when (laughs) I don't know if anybody cares but when Angelica went to camp and then got kicked out of camp and was leaving and the whole camp was chanting pickles 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 for whatever reason that like me the fuck out, I clearly remember being like six and having to change the channel. And so, <laughs> so I, I just hate, I hate an awkward situation that serves no purpose except to be awkward. And I feel like that's what first dates do on reality TV. They're just like there for us to like cringe at. I know that's like kind of weird. I don't, because a lot of reality TV is us just cringing at it. I don't know how to like perfectly describe it, but I there's just something that I don't particularly like about watching a first date on reality TV. I just think it doesn't add a lot to the story. Unless it's a first date of a couple that like we know is going to be together, then I'm like pretty into it. But I just don't care to see Leah go on Bumble and like meet some fucking guy who looks like all two of her ex-husbands. <laughs> Although I'm assuming every guy in her small ass town looks like that. I don't think there's a lot of variety. She got the one guy that had variety TR and we haven't seen him again. I don't know. I'm just not into it. It's just not a storyline that I'm into. We watch them like literally talk about the weather. I mean, I've had bad first dates. I don't need to watch them on TV. And it was just awkward. And when Leah's done, she goes to talk to the producer. She's basically, she says, which I actually thought this was funny. She says, when you know, you know, and that's a no. (laughs) And I actually understood exactly what she meant because I've had two 
I've only been on a couple dates through Tinder and they were like fine. You know, like I didn't have to like leave during the middle. I wasn't like horrified by the dates, but I walked out and was just like, oh, I'm like never going to see them again because I don't, it just, there wasn't anything there and I don't care enough to see them again. But Leah, I felt like I was being a little mean spirited. She was like laughing at this guy. Not just like, oh, that was awkward, but she was like kind of laughing at how lame he was with her producer. And then he literally pulled up right behind her and was, hey, come here. Can I get a second date? (laughs) It was so weird. I don't know. I don't really want to go on Leah's dating journey. I don't really want to see a guy again with Leah unless they're dating and like actually in a relationship. Then we can see them. That will be fine. Okay, so Leah in the second episode. What happens with Leah in the second episode? Oh, Oreo comes over to drink wine with Leah. How fucked up was Oreo, guys? I've been saying this, that Leah and Oreo definitely used together. Addie hasn't seen Jeremy in a while, which is sad. They talk about how they just want Jeremy to be around more, but he works. And this, once again, it's like, Leah, you chose to have kids with a guy who works out of state. She knew damn well what his job was. It's it's just hard. This has always been a complaint of mine when it comes to Leah and Jeremy is that she wants wants the perks of Jeremy working out of state. Jeremy pays her like $1,200 a month in child support for Addie. He pays her a pretty significant sum considering her teen mom money and the low cost of living in West Virginia and that they only have one kid. I'm pretty sure he pays less than Corey does, although... Corey is the girls more, but still. He pays her a decent amount of money. They live a pretty nice lifestyle thanks when they were together, thanks to Jeremy. But she, like, doesn't want him to work. She wants him to work in West Virginia, which we get a later scene, but that's not possible. It's just, Corey, or, excuse me, Jeremy is, I think, doing the best he can with work. However, I'm sure he could be more involved. I'm Of course he could be more involved. We get... Oh, Leah and Corey drop-off scene. I guess I'm assuming that Leah takes Allie from school to the physical therapist and then they meet Corey at a drop-off space. I wonder if the physical therapist is closer to Leah's house. I don't know. It it seems complicated that Leah, like, picks her up, then brings her to a spot, then Corey picks her up. If Corey has to leave the house, doesn't it just make more sense for him to go to the physical therapist's office? But actually, it probably doesn't. I'm sure this drop-off spot is right near Corey's work. I don't know. I'm on a tangent. I need to not worry about the logistics of these girls, like, driving schedules. (laughs) Oh, boy. Oh, boy. We get another heartbreaking scene with Addie, who just starts sobbing that she wants her daddy. And I talked about this in a previous episode. I just can't imagine, like, how hard it is for Addie, because she's old enough to understand that her sisters have their own dad. She's old enough to understand that her sisters see their own dad, And she's old enough to understand that she doesn't see her dad, but still not old enough to really grasp the reasons why. Although I don't think it will get significantly easier for her. Although they will, she's also too young to like really have substantial phone conversations. Like, yeah, I'm sure her and Jeremy talk on the phone, we hear it, but she's also four. How much can you really talk? Four-year-olds, you can talk to for, like, 14 seconds. And you, like, look at them on Skype and you, like, wave at them. (laughs) That's, like, really all you can do with a four-year-old. 
even in person, it's hard to have a conversation with a four-year-old, but it's fine because they're like cute and you can snuggle and they run around and you play together. I think it probably will get a little easier for Addie because she'll be able to actually like communicate with her father, but I can't imagine how difficult it is for her to be aware enough that he's not there, but not aware enough to like understand why and to grasp communication. It's sad. It's upsetting. I really, I really feel for her and I can't, I would imagine it breaks Leah's heart just Watching poor Addie cry, it's, I would assume one of the big issues of having a family with two fathers in it, if one of the fathers isn't showing up, it must be heartbreaking for poor Addie, and I imagine it will probably be heartbreaking for a lot of her life. <sighs> I have a feeling Jeremy, once Addie gets a little older, is just going to be a dad that, like, buys her a bunch of shit. You know, he's, like, not really going to be around, he's, like, not really going to be there for her, but you better believe Addie will have, like the nicest backpack at her West Virginia school. (laughs) She'll always have nice shoes on. She'll have a college fund. I mean, hopefully all the girls have college funds, but I think long after the teen mom money runs out and Corey and Miranda will be fine and Allie and Aaliyah, Allie and Gracie, excuse me, Allie and Gracie will be fine. You know, they'll have decent stuff, but I think Addie will always be flossing, thanks to Jeremy. I just don't think he's ever going to be like a super active dad he's just not that person and if leah had had any sense she wouldn't have had a baby with a guy like that but leah doesn't have any sense and doesn't care and gets pregnant with guys that she doesn't know just like everybody on this fucking show i don't know it's just heartbreaking addy's going to myrtle beach oh like around this time leah gets a phone call from jeremy and jeremy says he's gonna surprise addy in myrtle beach because addy's gonna go to myrtle beach with his mom and his cousins and that is nice because she seems to see her grandmother a lot and she has cousins and so she does have a family with Jeremy but it's hard and Leah I thought made a really good point and I was like really impressed with the insightfulness from Leah here when she said basically she was like you need to not be surprising her so much because it seems like almost every time Jeremy sees Addie it's like a surprise which I agree with. Like, a surprise is fun every once in a while. But if every time you see your daughter, you're surprising her, like, that's a problem. You should be, you should be see. Corey couldn't surprise the girls because they go to, they live with him four out of the seven days a week. You know what I mean? Like, there's no surprise. Like, you don't surprise your kids when you're with them all the time. And I think Leo is basically just saying, like, it's too up and down like just fucking have like a set time that you see your daughter you don't need to surprise her constantly i was really really impressed with that and completely agreed with it actually so we get an interesting scene and i really i think you i hope when everybody watched this scene you were like liz will love this i really hope because i loved this fucking scene we get a scene of jeremy and his friend at lunch dinner whatever and they're talking about why he has to work out of town and he's like you know I get a lot of hate and I'm assuming he means from people online that I'm never around her but I have to work I have to work out of town and his friend says people don't realize what's in West Virginia with coal gone and I was like yes and they talk about how really all there is in industry wise is working at Walmart or Kmart and there's just no jobs and Jeremy has to be out of town to work and I was just oh I loved it I loved it You guys know I'm obsessed with Appalachian culture. (laughs) You guys know it. Yeah, I just, I was really glad that MTV gave that scene because I really don't think they give enough cultural context to Leah, Jeremy, Corey, all of them. 
And I think it is important, like, if you're going to be showing Jeremy is, like, this deadbeat, you have to explain why he has to work out of town. Jeremy makes a shit ton of money on the pipes. On the pipes. I think it's called laying pipes on the oil field. I don't know. I don't fucking know. But he makes six figures doing that. Corey works for the utility company and probably makes, I don't know, 50 grand a year, which is great. I'm not knocking Corey's job whatsoever. He has like a normal average job, but I think they're few and far between where they live, as Jeremy says. And I really like when his friend was like, people just don't know what it's like here. And they say like, Jeremy, just get a job. And Leah and Jeremy had this fight like when they were still married. And he was like, Leah, I make five times what I could make in West Virginia. I have to do this. It makes sense that they're going to show if he's not going to see Addie because he's in Ohio with Brooke. Or if he's like home but just not going to pick her up. That's legit. Show that. But if they're going to kind of paint Jeremy as this deadbeat that's not around, I appreciate that they gave Jeremy the chance to kind of tell his side and explain to people like why I'm working out of town. Honestly, (laughs) what I'm about to say is insane. MTV should do a whole segment on Appalachia culture (laughs) and what it's like in West Virginia since the fall of coal. Oh, I would love that. Should I be pitching these ideas to MTV? (laughs) I would love it. God. (laughs) I was really impressed with MTV that they gave Jeremy that scene because they could have easily cut that. The next scene is Leah dropping off Addie with her grandmother. And I thought her grandmother seemed really nice. Did you guys think she seemed really nice too? I had like a warm place in my heart for her grandmother. I was really... I was really pleased with her. And then we get, guys, Jeremy on the beach. <laughs> Dude, like, wearing affliction. I mean, I think they were affliction jeans. So they were, like, bleached and had those awful pockets. Cuffed up. Flip-flops. Just, like, casually walking on the beach. It was so funny. I was laughing so hard at his outfit. I understand it looked cold. They looked cold, but throwing a pair of sweatpants, bro. Like, his jeans looked so funny to me. (laughs) And he surprised Addie, and Addie was really happy to see him. And it was cute. I was happy. It looked so cold. And that was Leah's scenes for these these two episodes this week. Overall, I like the Addie and Jeremy stuff. Hard. Do not care for Leah going on dates at all. Okay, let's go to our next segment. Who should we go to next? Let's go Let's go see Janelle. I want to go to Janelle. I'm just going to take a five-second break, guys. Well, Janelle and Barbara had what I would call an especially fucked up two episodes. <laughs> so they had court, and Janelle texts Larry, the producer, like this fucking crazy text, which is... Jace doesn't need me, so I hope Barbara's happy. She won. I'm not his mom anymore after today. Oh, Janelle's such a selfish asshole. She's so fucking selfish. The producers are confused. They're like, wait, what? What happened? I thought this was supposed to be a three-day trial. I don't understand what's going on. And we find out that they went to mediation and Barbara has permanent custody with Janelle getting him every other weekend and school breaks. Apparently, Jace's therapist was there, which is great, and she said it would be bad for Jace to live there. And then she adds, because he's terrified of David. But if you guys notice, and I even rewound this, it sounds like 
the therapist said it would be bad for Jace to live there. And then Barbara added, because he's terrified of David. I just, I'm not sure how terrified of David Jace is. I, is this controversial? I think Barbara fucking hates David so much that she's like pushing this narrative on Jace that he's terrified of David. We really haven't seen or heard anything to support that. I personally, obviously, I hope it's not the case because Jay spends a lot of time with him. I don't know, dude. It seems like Barbara just keeps saying over and over again how terrified of David Jace is. I don't know. Jace is around yelling a lot. And if David's yelling, I find it hard to believe that he's terrified of that considering Barb screams her head off 24-7. I just, I don't know, guys. I think that you guys know that Barbara hates all of Janelle's boyfriends so much and is like, so fucking convinced that if Janelle just decides that she will be single, that all her problems will be solved and she'll be like a great mom and a great person. And it's just these fucking boyfriends that keep her fucked up. And that's not the case. And we know that's not the case. But I think that's like what Barbara has to believe. So she doesn't hate Janelle, maybe. It helps her case if she blames everything on David, including Jace. Barbara said that she agreed to settle and go to mediation because she didn't want to put Janelle through the ringer and that her lawyers, Janelle's lawyers, like, finally admitted that they had nothing, which makes sense. Janelle was out of her fucking skull if she had thought she had any chance of getting any sort of custody, really. She doesn't have any custody, guys. She has visitation. She has no legal rights to Jace. Apparently, she's allowed to see his medical records and she can take him on vacation when she has him, but she doesn't actually have legal rights to make any sort of decisions for him. That's all Barbara. Janelle doesn't want to film after court, but her producer Kristen gets her to film, which by the way, I've seen a lot of people hit on Kristen and Kristen's an amazing producer. She can get Janelle to talk to her and also pushes back at Barbara a little bit to make Barbara look more crazy. (laughs) Janelle says, she let this day come and it's the worst thing she could have ever done for her daughter and Jace. Oh, excuse me. Janelle didn't say that. David said that. I fucking, I hate David. I hate David. I hate when David talks about Barbara so much. It's so weird because in this, first she was like, I don't want to talk. I don't want to talk. And then she talks and she seems happy. (laughs) She's acting like this is what she wanted. I don't know. And also there's one place to pick up Jace because, you know, they were always having fights about where they would do drop-offs. So that's good. And she's like, this is a good step. You can get, you can't get so much visitation before you get full time. Oh, yikes. And then she also says, I have to prove my mom is unfit. Double yikes. And she says, none of the evidence from today, before today matters. You want to bring up I smoked weed when I was 16? Bring it up. Okay. Uh, Basically, her point is that to agree to this custody schedule or visitation schedule in this mediation, Barbara had to agree that everything in the past is gone and that she agrees that Janelle is fit to have this visitation. So if there's another problem in the past, or excuse me, if there's another problem in the future, they can't bring up her past because Barbara's already agreed that it that her visitation is fine, even though all the shit that's happened. So that is good for Janelle. <laughs> Although I'm not sure how accurate that actually is, because if she gets back into heroin, they'll be able to say like she had heroin problems in the past. Who knows? I don't know. It's very hard regarding anything custody because Janelle's stupid. You, like, she's not smart. And when she talks, like, nothing makes sense. Nothing she says about court ever makes sense. 
Uh, David gets a real nice line in here, which is, it takes one of the lowest, most piece of shit to do what she's done. That's why I hate her. And then Janelle gives us this gem. She doesn't care. I'm crying my eyes out and she still won't give up. Guys, Janelle is such a fucking loser. She thinks because she went to that court and was sobbing about her son that she deserves to have him and that Barbara should give up. This is what drives me nuts. And I'll get into a Barbara later, too. But Janelle sees this as her versus Barbara and her winning and Barbara losing or her losing and Barbara winning. Nobody gives a fuck about Jace. Nobody gives a fuck about what's best for Jace. They just want to win. It's so upsetting. Like, I could not, I mean, I could believe, but because this has always been her thing. Why Janelle thinks that her crying in court will, like, end this is really, it's really crazy to me. And there was a deleted scene on MTV's website where Barbara's taking, talking to Janelle's friend Jamie, who, they didn't get into this on the show at all, but Jamie actually testify well was going to testify for Barbara but I guess didn't have to because they went to mediation Jamie was like it's sad she was crying and crying and hysterically crying like don't you feel sad about that and Barbara's like I feel sad about it but like he's grown up he's eight years old why didn't she do this when he was three or four and was still a baby like Jace lives with me and it was like yeah exactly Janelle because it doesn't Janelle doesn't give a fuck about Jace I mean That's not true. I think Janelle does love Jace, but she loves him like a little sibling or a possession. She doesn't give a fuck about what's best for Jace. And I think everybody, everybody knows that. Also, who are all the people surrounding Janelle? There was a lady that I've never seen before. I don't think her lawyer was there. Like, who are all these people Janelle was talking to? I did not recognize them. Janelle lets us know that Barbara's not going to be invited to the wedding, which, duh. And she says, I'll never forgive my mom for this. I will not consider her my mom. She's Barbara now. Ugh. This is, once again, like, if you cared about the best interests of your child, you wouldn't hate your mom for doing what's best for him. It was just really crazy. But did you guys notice in this first episode, we really didn't get a lot of Janelle and Barbara at all? I It was, like, all filmed in the parking lot, basically. Janelle said that she was expecting to get full custody, which is crazy. And that, like, to celebrate that they can take him wherever they want, they're going to take Jace and Marissa, just the older kids, to St. Thomas, which is Janelle's favorite spot. She went there twice with Nathan, I think has been there three times with David now. (laughs) She loves St. Thomas. And I can understand why she only wants to take the older kids. Like, traveling with four kids is a lot. Ensley's so little, like, you can't. Kaiser's crate wild and with Jace and Marissa there and it was I actually appreciate what she said she's like I just want to spend one-on-one time with Jace and I think that is good like I think that they do need that I don't know I think this custody schedule is good I think that this is the best possible outcome that Barbie is primary caregiver and the one that's legally responsible for him but that there's a set schedule so she can't control when Janelle sees him or not because Barbara's vindictive and Barb will do things like not allow custody and they also constantly get into fights because Janelle will have Jace and then call and want him for longer and Barbara doesn't want that. I think this was good. I think this was important. I think this was the best possible scenario for everyone involved. Here's the thing that I hated in this episode. Well, I mean, I think you guys can tell I hated a lot of this. Barb gets home from court and gets Jace a balloon and a cupcake and was like, guess what, Jace? I may may had court today. 
And he had no reaction. And she was like, I didn't want you stressing about it. So I wore my Walmart clothes, but I went, I didn't want you stressing at school, which I thought was nice that she wasn't telling him like the day she was going to court. And she was like, but you know, I went to court and you get to live with May May. So I got you a balloon and a cupcake. And Jace was like, okay. He smiled and he seemed happy, but he just seemed like a normal kid. And Barbara's like, I thought you were going to be more excited than this. <sighs> I don't understand this scene whatsoever. If you want to celebrate winning, which I can understand, you know, they've been going back and forth for however long, however much money was spent. She knows that Jay's saying with her is in the best interest of Jay. So she really, she, it was a win. Obviously, she won at court. Go with your girlfriend and have a glass of wine at your favorite bar and celebrate there. You don't celebrate with Jace. They should have just had dinner. And she said, you know, maybe went to court today. You're still going to live with me. You're going to go to mommy's every other weekend and on school breaks. Okay. That's it. It didn't. I just didn't understand why she made it a fucking celebration with Jace. Jace loves Janelle. Jace likes to be at Janelle's house, even though Barbara pretends that he doesn't. He likes to be at Janelle's house. Jace loves Janelle. I just hate that Barbara facilitates this, like, thing. Like, we all understand that Janelle is going to put Jace in the middle, right? We all understand that. Janelle is a piece of shit. She's a bad mother. But we expect more of Barbara. We shouldn't, but we do. We expect more of Barbara. And so it's always such a bummer to see her do the same exact thing that Janelle does. They give Jace too much agency in this. And they're constantly asking him questions. And how do you feel about this? How do you feel about this? I mean, fuck, Jace is in therapy. So why didn't Barbara just go to his therapy session with him the next week and have the therapist explain what's going on? I just, getting him a cupcake and a balloon and making it a celebration just reaffirms for Jace that Barbara does not like Jace to be at Janelle's house. It just seems unnecessary. I just, I didn't like it, guys. I didn't like it at all. I just feel so sad for Jace because he knows he cannot please either one of them. And that the only way he can do it is by hating the other one. And that's a really fucking shitty position for a kid to be in. It's a really shitty position for a kid to be in. And I feel really sad that the adults in Jace's life are doing that to him. It's just upsetting. Okay, so in the second episode, Janelle gets Jace for the first time for formal visitation. And guys, she's awful from the beginning. She says, I've been trying to see you for a while now, but Maymay was not letting me. I'm sorry, but there shouldn't be no more fighting about it. You're allowed, you have to be allowed over every other weekend. <sighs> Blaming it on Maymay. Like, that didn't even need to be acknowledged. She could have been like, Jace, I love you. Like, she, I miss you for the last couple weeks, but you know, like, I just couldn't see you. But now I'm going to see you every other weekend, no matter what. Which is, we know is not a no matter what, because Janelle's definitely going to skip weekends. <laughs> Let's be real. I just, I just hate it. I just hate it, guys. Then Janelle does something so fucked up, I can't even, it infuriates me. She says, you you told your counselor you're scared of David. And she says, no, because he's a kid. And she says, no, you didn't say that. She told Maymay that. Okay. One are we sure he even said that because this information is apparently coming from Barbara and not coming from the therapist herself? But let's say it is true. I feel so fucking sad for Jace. I feel so sad for Jace because in that moment, he learned he could not trust his therapist and that what he was telling the therapist was going back to May, May going back to Janelle and going back to David. It should never have been 
she should never have asked him about that. If she has questions about Jace feeling scared of David, it should have been done in the therapist's office, not just in the car, on camera. Jace was, like, so uncomfortable. He looked so sad. It was just... I just feel so sad for that little kid because if he was opening up in therapy, I wonder if now he's going to stop because he doesn't trust the therapist anymore. You know, it's so important to be able to trust your therapist even when you're eight years old. And I'm sure at that moment he thought, great, somebody else who's telling on me. It was just upsetting. I just, I felt so sad for him. We do get a fun scene up next of Janelle on the ATV and Jason on the dirt bike. And like, I have to say, the land looks fun as fuck. Now they have a pool. I want to go there and like ride around the ATV and like go dirt biking. It's a cool piece of property. It's cool that they can do all that shit there. And Jace looks like he's actually having a lot of fun and playing with Marissa. And I like I was happy to see that. I I would imagine it's a fun place. He kind of gets to run around, do whatever the fuck he wants. Janelle keeps saying that she wants to repair her relationship with Jace. Yeah, I think that's great. But she was like, not for like the things that happened, but like the time I missed. I don't know. She said on Twitter that she's going to therapy with Jace or they're all going to therapy by themselves and then we'll go to therapy together, which is great. This family needs so much therapy. Honestly, they should all go to like a year long intensive rehab all together. (laughs) Really, they should. She just keeps saying they need one-on-one time, which is true. And Janelle does look like truly happy that Jace is there and they're like snuggled up on the couch playing Xbox and it's nice. But she also questions them. She's like, you haven't been here for a long time. Did you want to come over? Did you miss me? Did you miss us? And it's like, Janelle, chill the fuck out. Chill. Just let, Janelle has no concept of how to talk to eight-year-olds. Like, just let him be there. If he's like, if he misses you, he'll tell you he misses you. If he's happy to be here, he'll be happy to be there through his words and his actions. You don't need to quiz him on what's going on. Like, he's here now. You have him every other weekend in school breaks. Just chill out. Oh, I forgot to add that she told Jace they were going to St. Thomas, and he's really excited. He's excited to take a vacation, and I'm happy for him. She said that it's like me, you, Marissa, and he said, is David going? And she said, yeah, and he said, okay. Like, he didn't seem upset. So, I don't know. I just don't know what's going on with Jace and David. I, I don't... I really, I don't know, guys. I just don't know. Janelle is taking Jace to drop him off, and Barbara is waiting for Janelle at pickup, and she's like, if she's late, it's contempt of court. And I'm like, Barbara, chill the fuck out. Like, why are we talking about contempt of court? Why? Why are we talking about contempt of court? Is this necessary? Will this help anybody? Is anybody benefiting from this? Janelle gets there, and of course, Janelle and Barbara bicker about if they'll if Janelle will be getting him Friday or Monday because the break messes it up. <sighs> They're going to be growing pains, but in the end, I, I am genuinely glad that they got a formal visitation schedule. And, you know, by the time you guys hear this, Janelle will be Mrs. Eason, so that's great, fun. Janelle, I'm proud of you. Psych, I'm not proud of Janelle at all. But <laughs> things are okay. Things are okay with Janelle right now. You know what? That's pretty good. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the extended version of this episode. Come on over to patreon.com slash ebpsychos. By the way, are you listening to our other Emotionally Broken Psychos podcasts? There are so many of them now. They're all amazing. Of course, we have the mothership, Emotionally Broken Psychos with Molly McAleer, which breaks down all the craziness in reality TV and really beyond. We also have The Smush Room with Troy McEady, which is so fucking funny. It's my favorite podcast. I'm laughing just thinking about it. Troy just breaks down 
weird random relationships of celebrities and celebrities to me and Troy and probably a lot of you. (laughs) It's so funny. I love it. We also have On the Plus Side with Lisa Angelo and it's all about being overweight, dating while fat, shopping while fat, watching TV while fat. We also have Realizing Stuff with Ryan Bailey and Kara Barry. Wow, their last names are similar. And it's about Life of Kylie, which is extremely topical considering Kylie's pregnant. It's so funny. I don't think anybody's watching Life of Kylie, but everybody is fucking loving Realizing Stuff. So really, come on over to Patreon. Listen to all these podcasts. A lot of them are free for full. If not, I think uh, Smush Room and I are the only ones that cost money. And you can hear, obviously, our free versions on iTunes. So really, come on over, listen, love them. All right, guys, have a great weekend. This has been an episode of Feathers in My Hair, an Emotionally Broken Psycho's Patreon exclusive. Executive producers Molly McAleer and Liz Bentley. Produced by Nicole Matthews. Special thanks to Sarah DiGiovanna for our logo. Head on over to our Patreon page for more rewards. www.patreon.com slash ebpsychos. And come on over to our Facebook page for more discussion.